0: If you're in the church, it's becoming harder and harder to ignore our missionary call. This is all that Pope Francis talks about. Go out to the peripheries, get out of the sacristies, go and make disciples of all nations. In a way, the ground was all prepared by Pope Francis, especially with the Year of Faith and with the Synod on the new evangelization. So we all have a missionary call, but what does that mean? I suppose that there are many things that we can do. I for one would like to encourage our deacons and priests and religious sisters and brothers to go out in their communities wearing their clerics and their habits and be present. Go to the coffee shop. Go grocery shopping. That in itself is a witness. We don't need a plan of evangelization in order to do that. And did you know also that this Sunday, October 20th, is World Mission Sunday. It's a day set aside for Catholics worldwide to recommit themselves to the Church's missionary activity through prayer and sacrifice. It's always celebrated on the second last Sunday in October. So, what happens on World Mission Sunday? Well, for one, there may be a collection in your parish. It's a special collection for the Society for the Propagation of the Faith. And this money gets distributed among the missions and missionaries of the entire world. But, we're also asked to pray for missions and missionaries and we're asked especially to spend an hour in adoration for missions around the world so there are a few things that we can do let's go and make disciples of all nations i'm deacon pedro and this is the salt and light hour hello and welcome to the salt and light hour i'm deacon pedro We begin now by announcing our winner this week. We're giving away a copy of Audrey Assad's Fortunate Fall and the CD goes to Vanessa Santilli. Congratulations you've just won a copy of Audrey Assad's Fortunate Fall which we featured last week. So send us an email radio at saltonlighttv.org so you can claim your prize. And also congratulations to Faith Bowman from Hamilton, Ontario who last week won a copy of Sarah Hart's Saint Song. Faith, Please contact us so we can get you your prize. And for the rest of you, if you want to enter our weekly draw, just go to our webpage, saltonlighttv.org slash radio, and enter your name and email address where it says, stay connected for a chance to win weekly prizes. And today we have our usual features with Alicia, Andrew, and Sheridan. And in about 15 minutes, Mark Matthews, our Hollywood undercover missionary, will be here with What's Good in Hollywood. And in our second half hour, we will be speaking with French journalist Anisabel Isabel Tolle, who wrote the book Blasphemy, a memoir sentenced to death over a cup of water. And this is the story of Asia Bibi, a Pakistani Christian woman who was sentenced to death under the country's blasphemy law. And our featured artists this week are the Dominican Sisters of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist. They have a new album and it's doing really well so that's where we begin with Adoro Te Devote from their new album Mater Eucharisti. That was the Dominican Sisters of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist, from their new album, Mater Eucharistiae*, And we're going to be speaking with Sister Mary David in our second half hour. But now, here's Alicia with our news. Hello, Alicia.
1: Hello, Pedro. It's good to be back. I yes. kind of like being here. Good.
0: <laughs> we like you here. So what's new?
1: Okay, so first up, when we got the new translation of the English Missal, the uh-huh. Roman Missal, we thought that was like, that had shaken our world. Nothing was yeah. ever gonna be the same. Yes. Okay, well, the French translation of the Bible is really shaking things up. The French speaking countries are going through the same retranslation process that we did. Mm-hmm. And a new translation of the Our Father has just been approved. Really? Yes. Really? So when the Our Father was originally translated into French in the 1960s, the line, lead us not into temptation, got translated okay. in French as, and do not submit us to temptation. Yes. This was a problem and was considered blasphemous by many people because if God is unchangingly good, yes. how, how can submit He submit you yes. to temptation?
0: Even lead us, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So
1: finally, The new version translates this line as, and don't let us enter into temptation. Uh Uh-huh. This one revision, well, one among many revisions, is the fruit of a 17-year translation project. And it's taken about 70 liturgical and linguistic
0: experts. I can imagine.
1: But uh, French speakers will probably not be using this new Our Father until about 2015 when the revised French translation of the Roman Missal is finally rolled out. So
0: they're translating, retranslating the Mass as well.
1: All languages are being retranslated wow. because the original translation in the 60s was supposed to be temporary.
0: Right, I know, but I thought like in Spanish, Italian is it probably fairly close.
1: Spanish and Italian will be the last two to yeah. get translated. Good. We know that <laughs> we know that other <laughs> languages are already underway. Right. The okay. Translations wow. are underway. So North America, one of the northernmost dioceses in North America and the largest, has a new bishop. Okay. The diocese of Mackenzie Fort Smith, yes. which essentially covers all of the northwest, it's the territories. largest
0: geographical diocese in the world. Yeah. Yeah. It's huge.
1: Well, the new bishop is Monsignor Mark Hageman of Vancouver. Uh-huh. And right now he has been serving as the president of Corpus Christi College at the University of British Columbia. Oh, yeah. The appointment was announced um, Tuesday. No word yet on when exactly his ordination will take place. But canon law does say that it has to happen within three months of the public announcement. And in an interview with the Globe and Mail, uh, Father Monsignor Hageman, or I should say Bishop-elect Hageman, yes. said... He doesn't really want to arrive in the middle of january so he's hoping oh, that the on. ordination will happen soon oh
0: that would be great if we can go up there and and televise that
1: you can go i'd <laughs> love
0: to go the northern lights in january february it's Yay! beautiful that's at least according to archbishop Chatland, who used to be the bishop of mackenzie fort, fort smith, fort smith yes. yes
1: some of us don't do well with that cold
0: just get a warm coat
1: <laughs> yeah well moving on to warmer <laughs> topics <laughs> So 50 U.S. priests are being blocked from carrying out their ministerial duties right now and it's all because of the government shutdown. Now um, U.S. government, uh, sorry, U.S. military chaplains are considered um, Department of Defense employees. So they are prohibited from saying mass or administering the sacraments on the base Mm -hmm. because it's considered a violation of the shutdown. Now, at least one priest, Father Ray Leonard, has launched a lawsuit against the Department of Defense, mm-hmm. claiming that this ban actually violates his and his congregation's First Amendment right to free exercise of religion, free speech, and freedom of assembly. Right. So in the suit, Father Leonard and his lawyers have said that he has actually been banned even from volunteering to celebrate Mass really? at the chapel. Um, so, we will keep an eye on that and see what happens. That's a very interesting situation.
0: It, it is, because it affects even there's a chaplain in some government offices or the White House, isn't there? I'm not sure. In some. Yeah.
1: But the military dioceses are interesting because these priests are, yes, yeah, they belong to think a that diocese. They're employees
0: of the government.
1: Well, exactly, but that's a thing that yeah. a lot of people don't realize. They are also considered government interesting. employees.
0: I suppose they can just have mass outside of the base.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of technicalities to get around. Yes. And then, of course, this week on Vatican Connections, yes. we will be looking at um, mulieris dignitatem and oh, the role good. of women in the church. So we've heard Pope Francis talking mm. about how women are called to service, not servitude, and how yes. the role of women in the church needs to be, there needs to be a deeper theology around that. Mm-hmm. There was a conference in Rome this past week, and I spoke to one of the organizers and we kind of looked more in depth at what does that mean.
0: Okay, good. So that's Vatican Connections that airs every Friday at 8 p.m. It repeats on the weekend throughout?
1: Throughout, Saturday and Sundays.
0: And Sundays. So that's Alicia and uh, Vatican Connections. You can follow Alicia at Connections on Twitter. Our Salt and Light Hour news producer Alicia Ambrosio, and a reminder to all our listeners: let us know what you think about anything that you hear in this program. If this government shutdown in the U.S. is affecting you, we know we have a lot of listeners in the the, uh, the military uh, ordinariate or the archdiocese, rather, uh, of military services. So uh, send us your comments via Facebook, facebook.com/slradio1.
2: Hi, this is Curtis Steven with SpiritAndSong.com, and you are listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro.
0: I'm Deacon Pedro. Our website is saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And coming up, what's good in Hollywood with Mark Matthews, our Hollywood undercover missionary. And now it's time for saint of the week with andrew santos andrew welcome Hi, Deacon. how's it going good how are you i'm good good excellent so who's our saint today
3: okay we're gonna look at um a filipino saint actually okay uh you know our viewers will remember when i uh, spoke to them about uh newly canonized saint pedro Calungsod.
0: yes of course yes so yes. He was
3: canonized at the same time our friend kateri was canonized yes but we're gonna look at the actually the first filipino saint Okay. And that's St. Lorenzo Ruiz. Have you heard of him?
0: Yes, I have yeah, heard actually, of St. Lorenzo Ruiz. Yeah, uh, It's
3: funny because there's a school uh, named right after him uh, here in Markham, here in the York Catholic Board. Uh-huh. And not many people know his life story. They think that he's Spanish or he's Portuguese. But that's no, right. he's actually Filipino.
0: Good. And you're going to tell well, us all Rindo, about it. Uh, yeah. Lorenzo,
3: as I said, uh, Deacon, is the first Filipino saint. He's also actually the first Filipino martyred for the Christian faith. Uh-huh. Um, when we look at his story, we know that he, he was a layman. Um, he was married. And he had two sons and a daughter. Oh, yeah. He was born um, just outside of Manila. Manila is the capital of the Philippines uh, in about the 1600s. He was educated in a school there that was run by the Dominicans. Mm -hmm. We tend to hear a lot of stories of saints who were, um, you know, were brought up in religious institutions. They were taught by the Dominicans or the friars. So St. Lorenzo is no different. Uh, he served as an altar boy and later was a sacristan in his church, in the church of Bonondo. Oh, yeah. He was a member of the Confraternity of the Rosary. He made his living um, as a calligrapher. Um, we all know what a calligrapher does. They, they specialize they, in penmanship, they, yeah, they so write. writing documents yeah. and, and whatnot. So um, basically anyone who had that kind of job was, came off as a very accomplished and educated person. So, you know, you would think today and age that you would have to be a doctor or a lawyer to be someone who's accomplished and well respected. But no. Yeah. Um, anyone who worked in penmanship, penmanship or calligraphy was considered to be accomplished. Right. Um, especially at a time, um, you know, when a lot of people excelled in, 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 in the arts um, and it adverse event made him leave the Philippines in this in 1636 mm-hmm. um, when he was in his late 20s early 30s uh, he became involved or was accused of being involved in a criminal case um, so it wasn't made clear um, what exactly he was uh, being charged for um, but as a consequence he was sentenced to death so he was given a death sentence and he was sent to Japan upon landing in Japan, <laughs> Um, We know that Christians were being persecuted at that time. He was arrested, and he was imprisoned uh, with his companions that were there. He was tortured, as many people are uh, for for their Christian faith. Um, Because he refused to renounce his faith, because his faith was very important to him, he told his executioner uh, at the time of his death that he was ready to die for God and give himself to um, many thousands of lives uh, if he had them. So on september the 27th and that's in the year 1637 he was hung from a gallows by his feet his body falling into a pit i can't even imagine that Mm -hmm. after two days of agony um not just a few hours but two days of this he died of bleeding and suffocation Hmm. his body was cremated and the ashes were thrown into the sea so um him and 15 of his companions um who were martyred in the same persecution they were hung by the gallows They were beatified by pope john paul ii in manila Uh, pope john paul ii was there for a visit in manila in february of 1981 Mm -hmm. and he was brought um i guess we can say to the full glory of the altar uh meaning his canonization on that was seven years later six years later i should say october the 18th 1987 and that was in rome Uh so his feast day together with his companions, is on September the 28th, Okay, and we remember him for who he was, a man who, um, despite what people would say, um, despite what people would say to get him to renounce his faith, he never did that. So we give thanks to God for for him, for his companions, and for um, his lasting legacy on the people of the Philippines and people of us here at
0: home excellent now i know that you said he's a filipino martyr of course yes but he was martyred in japan i wonder if he's included with the holy martyrs of japan that's
4: a good question oh, i'm actually.
0: gonna have to find out because that's my parish as you yeah, know that's right yeah, martyrs yeah of japan. No, that's a good Go question for, uh,
3: for your pastor or something mm, to look
0: exactly into. i'll have to maybe one of our listeners can write in and tell us about the uh martyrs of japan and the martyrs of the philippines
3: yes that'd be great you know, there were a lot of people martyred in that part of the world yes. over the last uh, over the last few centuries. Yes, so I know. It's quite interesting sad. to read their stories and the way they suffered. Absolutely.
0: Ugh. Wow. Anyway, lots to be grateful it's a for. for us. Yes, I know. Thank you, Andrew. Great to hear from you.
3: All right, thanks, Pedro.
0: Andrew Santos, our saint expert.
5: Hi, this is Donna Corey
6: Gibson, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro.
0: Visit Salt and Light Radio at facebook.com slash slradio one and like us. And also visit us at saltonlightv.org slash radio and stay connected for a chance to win weekly prizes. And now it's time for What's Good in Hollywood with our Hollywood undercover missionary, Mark Matthews. Hey, Did I tell you that I always imagine you like waltzing on the stage when I say Mark Matthews?
2: That's exactly how I imagine myself. It's great Hello, with the music. Hello, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, thank welcome. you.
0: So welcome to a new season.
2: Yes, yes. A new year. New challenges. New things to talk about.
0: Good. Have you liked Salt and Light Radio on Facebook yet? You're not on Facebook.
2: Well, I'm undercover, so of course I'm not on Facebook.
0: Oh, of course. Okay. Good. All right. Okay. Do not like Mark Matthews on Facebook
2: yeah you won't find me so I'm undercover
0: okay so what's good in Hollywood
2: what's good in Hollywood prayer is good in Hollywood oh. I want to talk about prayer today okay um, this coming Sunday's gospel is perfect because it's the parable of the unjust judge yeah uh-huh. uh, which humanly I don't I really understand how prayer can change things in the world but mm-hmm. uh, God kind of gives a good parable it's basically if you nag me enough I'm gonna do something about it mm-hmm. and uh, I have seen the power of prayer Work time and time again, especially when it comes to things in Hollywood. So yeah. I, I run a few other little ministries on the side here, um, and <laughs> they only ever work or succeed if they seem to be drowned and soaked in prayer.
0: Right. Okay. Examples.
2: So a uh, I, I, uh, little uh, little little men's group I have called Bibles and Brew. Uh, we, we we tried prayer and poker, but we weren't praying. Uh, it wasn't until we started Bibles and Brew, I got my friends praying for it that I actually started to get on a roll. So.
0: So you read the Bible and um, drink
2: beer? I think it's really important, especially for people to pray for Hollywood, uh, for a few reasons. Um, <clears throat> I think one of the most important things is, is that we don't actually think that people in Hollywood are human sometimes. Um, we just see them as these sort of abstract entertainers, um, and we just cast them off. And you got to remember that the celebrities are human, and also the people who, you know, behind the scenes here, you know, they have jobs and families. Mm-hmm. So... So it's important for us to remember that. Okay. And also, I think that sometimes we think that Hollywood is beyond salvation. We basically think that it's Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh And it's important to remember that it's not. It's Nineveh. If you remember the story of the Ninevites,
7: uh you
0: know, they
2: had a person come from another nation and said, you need to repent. And the Ninevites were like, we do. We do need to repent. And honestly, people are open to it here. They just haven't heard the good news in the gospel quite a bit.
0: That's a great uh, analogy. Thank you. Jonah and Nineveh. Yeah.
2: I, I, I have to admit, it's not my own analogy. I stole it from another friend. That's so. okay. <laughs> so uh, let's talk about maybe ways you can actually really get yep. practical and pray for Hollywood.
7: Yep.
0: Uh, a
2: couple very simple suggestions. Um, if you're watching a TV show, the commercials come on, mute it, and say a short prayer for all the writers, actors, producers, showrunners, and, and even the advertisers of the show, you know? Hmm. Yeah. Bow your head. And, yeah. and pray for them. It's That's important. good. Um, And the other thing that you can do that's really important, too, I think, is uh, writing a letter to either the producers, writers, showrunners, things like that. And the reason I suggest that is there's actually a bit of a a, a really bad perception among a lot of these people. They're like, oh, Christians, they're the people that write me angry letters. Uh And I can tell you, it's like anger will go in the trash, but praise will go on the wall. Mm -hmm. So if you just find something that's... You find uplifting, and that you know was really good and encouraging, and write that pr- producer or writer a letter saying just how much it touched you, and how important it was, and that will okay. make a significant impact on them. They, they might even frame it, and put it on the wall. So
0: so don't call to don't write to complain about something bad, but rather f- find something good and it's just it's tell them what you like.
2: Exactly, find something uplifting. That's there very is. important.
0: Okay, that's so, great advice.
2: How do we? And, other fantastic, fantastic ministry. I want to talk about is something called the Hollywood Prayer Network. Okay. HollywoodPrayerNetwork.org. mm mm-hmm. org, um, And it's this wonderful ecumenical prayer ministry that was started by a woman by the name of Karen Cavell and her husband around 20 years ago. And I pretty much credit her solely for all the good stuff uh, that has happened in Hollywood since. She was telling me that when they arrived here, um, you know, 20 years ago, there was basically nothing going on for Christians. And they, they were convicted. They said, we need to pray for Hollywood and it was only after that things kinda really started to happen. So her ministry, which has grown quite large, Hollywood Prayer Network, they take prayer seriously, as we all should. Mm-hmm. And uh, they will if you, they have all sorts of kind of little like sub ministries, but they have like emails that they'll send out on either say like a monthly or a weekly basis. And they'll have whole lists of like specific people and actors and writers you can Pray for, and they also do things like say, "Hey, here's something that's really good, Duck Dynasty. There's a Christian family there, you know." So they're pointing at all the good things, those successes in the industry as well, too.
0: Nice, good, thank you. So that's the HollywoodPrayerNetwork.org.
2: HollywoodPrayerNetwork.org. Okay, and just a quick
0: question: If people want to write a producer of a show, is it easy to just go online and, and and find CBS? You know, the producer of a, I don't know, some show?
2: Is it, you know, it generally is. Um, you can go into IMDB, and I think a lot of times, too, they'll have the contact info there. Yeah, um, IMDB.com. And you can com. typically always address it, too. Like, if you know it's CBS doing it or something like that, you, you can, can just address send it, it to CBS or so, so-and-so care of, you know, CBS. And, okay. And it, it will get to them.
0: Okay, good. So, we need to pray for Hollywood. Um, good advice. Um, thank you very much, Mark Matthews. That's that's good. That's something that that's good in Hollywood.
2: Please pray hard for us. We need it. And check it out. hollywoodprayernetwork.org
0: Excellent. So there you have it. Let's pray for Hollywood. hollywoodprayernetwork.org Thank you, Mark Matthews, our undercover Hollywood missionary.
1: Hey, Audrey Asad here from Nashville, Tennessee, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro.
0: You can podcast our show at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And now you can listen to Christian music all day long at that same web address at Salt and Light Radio one That's what Sheridan does.
7: I do. All day long
0: listening Indeed. to Christian music.
8: It's true. As you know, we've got Canadian minds all over the world, but what's the social and economic impact of these minds for the local communities? Mm-hmm. Development and Peace have launched a new national campaign called A Voice for Justice. And so to find out more, earlier this week I called up Kelly Di Domenico, a communications officer with the Canadian Catholic Organization for Development and Peace. Now that's the official international development organization for the Catholic Church here in Canada, and it's also the Canadian member of Caritas Internationalis. Kelly, thanks for speaking with us. Thanks for having me. Tell me about your Voice for Justice campaign.
6: So this is uh, a new campaign that's just been launched by Development and Peace. And essentially, the campaign is calling for the government of Canada to put in place an ombudsman mechanism that could look into complaints brought by um, communities in the global south that are impacted by Canadian mining companies. Often um, there is disputes between the communities and the companies that are operating there. And so this would be a mechanism where the communities could bring their issues and there could be an investigation with recommendations at the end of how the dispute could be
8: resolved. Okay, so what's the situation right now then? Um, essentially communities,
6: uh, for instance, if um, let's say a mine isn't respecting environmental standards and you know they're seeing that their water sources are being polluted Sometimes there's displacements of communities because the mine is being um, built on their land. Um, other instances could be that the community hasn't been formally consulted or given consent for the mine. But at the moment, these communities don't really have any sort of recourse here in Canada um, where they can uh, voice their their complaints or their issues. Right. So the ombudsman would be that outlet for them.
8: And And what's what is the regularity of these types of complaints or um we're seeing this because we work directly with um partners in the global
6: south that who they work with communities and they're telling us um that this is happening in latin america in asia in africa so it's really happening um you know all over the world so which is one of the reasons it's not just in you know a few isolated incidents it's really Happening in in many countries, and especially since Canada is one of the, or the leader in terms of mining. About seventy five percent of mining companies are based here in Canada. So um, we feel that you know, as Canadians, we have a responsibility um, to make sure that our our companies are acting in in a way that reflects Canadian values.
8: Right, and uh, also the. The church's social teachings.
6: Yes, exactly. And in a lot of the, the countries where we work, the church is very involved in helping communities. I had the opportunity to go to the Philippines, and the church is very active there. Um, they have issued. Um, um, statements asking for moratoriums on mining and also asking the Filipino government to revise the mining code so that um, it's more favorable to the country and to the communities so the the church you know they the bishops they see directly the impacts on their own people and are reacting to that and in terms of you know the the ecological justice that's required and needed so that you know the environment is respected and as a consequence Um, you know, integral human development is being respected as well. So how can people support this campaign? Um, So we're asking people to sign cards um, that is addressed to their MPs that uh, basically ask the government to put in place the ombudsman. And um, they can do that. It might be happening in their parishes. And if not, they can go to our website, which is uh, www.devp.org. And there there we have... um, uh, a place where they can put in their name and their address and the message will go directly to their MP by them putting in their postal code. So it, it's a really simple, we've made it as simple as possible for people to, uh, to take action and you know the more um, messages that the MPs receive, um, the more chance we
8: have of possibly getting this to, to Parliament. Thanks so much for your time. Well thank you Sheridan. I was speaking with Kelly D. Domenico, a communications officer at the Canadian Catholic Organization for Development and Peace.
0: Yes, that's good. Nice to hear from Kelly uh, again. She's, she did great work. Thank you, Sheridan. Um, very exciting. So don't go anywhere because coming up in our second half hour, Sentenced to Death Over a Cup of Water and the Dominican Sisters of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist, have a chart-topping album. So stay tuned. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour part two. I'm Deacon Pedro. Now you may or may not have heard of Asia Bibi. She's a Pakistani Christian woman, a mother of five, and she has been sentenced to death by hanging under her country's blasphemy law. She's been in jail for four years and is currently awaiting the results of an appeal. And to explain, I am now joined by Annisabel Isabel Tolle. She's the author of Blasphemy, a Memoir. Annisabel, welcome to the program.
4: Uh, thank you for welcoming me.
0: so the way i understand it is that the blasphemy law has to do with blasph with blasphemy against the prophet muhammad but asya bibi drank a glass of water a cup of water so exactly can you explain a little bit what happened and how it ended up being blasphemy
4: oh yes it's a it's a crazy story actually um um she, she was she uh, was as a, a farm worker in the field uh, to pick up some fruits to get, uh-huh. to to earn some money, and she was the only uh, Christian woman in the field. Uh, the rest of the women was Muslim, and she the it uh, was burning. You know, it was in uh, June 2009, and uh, she used the same cup as those Muslim women uh, in the whale, and because. Uh, Causes the Muslim woman water served by a Christian woman um, become unclean. unclean. And uh, So they consider that uh, uh, the well um, becomes impure because she, she used the same cup, the same glass of water in the well. Right. So it's absolutely uh, crazy, and uh, azia Bibi um, uh, was not agree with. One of the women who, who said that. Uh-huh. And she, she just uh, told that, um, you know, I'm not sure that um, um, the Prophet Muhammad will share the same opinion as you. Right. And because she pronounced the name of the Prophet Muhammad, and because she is Christian, um, the woman became absolutely crazy. And, and all of the women uh, said, oh, you have committed a blasphemy Blastomy. because you are not allowed to talk. Uh, for the Prophet Muhammad.
0: Right, so it wasn't just the fact that she drank water from the same well and using the same cup of that was reserved for Muslims, but the fact that she said that she didn't think the Prophet Muhammad would agree with these yes, women. Yeah,
4: foolishly she, 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 she said that, because if she didn't say anything about the cup of water, you know, it would have been. Um, I think uh, everything w- would be okay. Um, there's no. It's no not, yeah. a big, uh, uh, not a big question, it's not a big deal about uh, the cup of water, but it's because she she talks uh, about the, the, Prophet the Prophet Muhammad, Muhammad. And because she's Christian for Muslim people, especially in the village, you know, right. in the rural country, and people are not really instructed.
7: Right. Um, uh-huh. they,
4: they feel that uh, Christian people have to put their head uh, down, and they are not allowed to the prophet, and to talk about Islam, and to talk, of to talk uh, um, about everything um, in, the, in, in, in Muslim religion.
0: Right. Now, here in Canada, in North America, and, and I don't know about in France, but we hear a lot about Sharia law. So, I- is this what happened to her, that she was sentenced or judged according to this Sharia law?
4: Oh, uh, you know, uh, in Pakistan, it's a federal government, uh-huh. and, um, yes, the... the it is a kind of uh, moderate Sharia law, uh-huh. but the blasphemy uh, law—it's a very important law in Pakistan—and uh, and people um, uh, can be uh, thrown in prison or, or sentenced to death for blasphemy. But the problem is that it's difficult to to investigate or to, 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 to prove that uh, the blasphemy has been uh, committed mm-hmm. and the pressure of uh, the extremists and the religious party uh, is, uh, is huge so the the government the democratic government uh, uh, don't want to change the law because they are they're scared about the Taliban and extremists and religious party who are right very strong in Pakistan
0: right and they and they have good reason to be scared because there have been politicians who've who've spoken on behalf of Asia Bibi and they were killed
4: oh yes you're right uh, two two major politicians in Pakistan first it was uh, Salman Tassir, he was uh, the the governor of Punjab and it's very important to precise that it was muslim and he was killed because uh, he support he, he was supporting Asia Bibi and uh, the second was uh, Shabazz Bati, was the, the minister of the uh, minority in Pakistan. And for the same reason, for supporting Asia Bibi, he was killed by uh, Taliban.
0: Yes, we heard a lot about Shabazz Bati. In fact, he had mm-hmm. met with Pope Benedict uh, to speak about the, the, the issues with uh, this particular situation and others in Pakistan. And, and Salman Tazir, who, as you said, was a Muslim. So, so this law does not only affect non-muslims.
4: No, no, no. It's very important uh, to to say that uh, because uh, um, uh, I'm really concerned that the blasphemy is only being presented of the narrow aspect of Catholic discrimination on Muslim soil. Right. But um, I don't want that my book would be perceived as anti-Islam. This is absolutely not my and Asia Bibi intention or belief mm-hmm. and uh, Asia Bibi is absolutely respectful of this uh, religion and the country in which she grew up She she's she's christian but she's pakistani <laughs>
0: right now tell me something and this was the first question i had before i read the book uh, but for our listeners you were not able to meet Asia you never have met her you've only met her husband and other people in her family how how do we say then that she wrote the book Because you've been very careful at saying that you didn't write the book.
4: Oh, (laughs) actually, I tried many times with my friend Shabazz Bati to meet uh, Asia Bibi when uh, Shabazz uh, was still alive, but um, um, the director of the jail uh, in Shekupura didn't want that uh, I I met uh, Asia Bibi because he and it and Globally, the politicians didn't want that uh, foreign journalists talk about this story. Right. So it wasn't easy to write the book. But you know, I I knew Pakistan and the Christian minority very well because I had been living in Pakistan for three years
7: Uh as a journalist.
4: uh, So I could understand the people. I I met uh, Azia's sister and her children and husband. I asked them many questions about her asked them about what she was like and about her face and about their feeling about life and because i was involved with involved in this story i knew Shababati. bati yes uh, i knew many things about the situation and about the family even though i never met as i was able to interview her indirectly as you said by asking questions through her husband was allowed to visit her mm-hmm. once a week at the jail
7: right
0: so i
4: could also uh, imagine where she was because i used to visit different jails in uh, pakistan for other stories
0: right and and you've written the book in first person i mean it does read as if asia had written it herself which is oh, f- it's when fascinating I wrote
4: the book, uh, it was uh immediately immediately uh, translated in english and i asked uh, at one of my friends who were uh, a lawyer so he was um, allowed to visit asia in the prison and i asked him to read to translate to asia uh front of her uh, my book in urdu because she can't read english uh-huh. so she can't read anything but she, she can understand urdu
3: uh-huh. and
4: she was really surprised because uh, uh, she, she she was so happy about what i what i want for her you know right um, she said, wow, it's, it's exactly what's happened, it's exactly my feelings, it's uh, exactly what I'm living.
0: Right, no, it's 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 amazing. Um, she's waiting for an appeal, correct? So she's been oh, sentenced yes. to she death.
4: She asked the high court to take her case. Yes. Because in the village, justice is not very fair, you know. But nothing happened since she was thrown in jail in 2008.
0: Yes, yes. So she's been waiting. She has a lawyer presumably? Uh,
4: no, no. She doesn't uh, anymore. She, 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 she has lost uh, his lawyer because uh, he was uh, he received some treats treat, so uh, uh-huh. he didn't want to, uh, to, 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 to support uh, Asia Bibi. Uh. So
0: no one's really speaking on her behalf you yourself received threats for writing the book, you're no longer in Pakistan so who's helping Asia Bibi now?
4: <laughs> um, actually um, uh, I'm Still very in touch with the family,
7: uh-huh. and
4: uh, I try um, because I'm, I'm talking to you with the media, and because the, the, the book is launched in USA, I try to, to make some noise, you know. Yes. The the the, the release of that film in the US is a fantastic opportunity to talk about our tragedy,
7: mm-hmm.
4: and um, so um, I think that if we we still talk about uh, asia situation and about a terrific tragedy um one day uh, she will be released because uh, you know pakistan government are not very comfortable with this uh, situation yeah because it's important for the pakistan to to uh, to, to, to 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 have a, a, a good um, uh, uh you know to to be a, a good country around the world and because of Aziz uh, situation, they are not comfortable with that. Because the international community uh, asked to Pakistan government to do something for Aziz Bibi, and so uh, I trust that uh, one day it will pay. Actually,
0: mm-hmm. well, that's if we don't
4: forget her, if we don't forget the situation of Aziz Bibi and of. Uh, Many people in uh, in, uh, Pakistan, because many people are... She's not the only ...because of the blasphemy law. I'm sure it will work one day.
0: Yeah, well, that's what we're trying to do here now, let people know. Hopefully, a lot of our listeners are are going to be moved by this story. Anisabel, thank you very much for writing the book and for the work that you're doing. Uh, You're welcome. Let's keep praying for Asia Bibi. If you want to learn more about Asia Bibi, you can visit the website callformercy.com or persecution.com. There's also a petition there that can be signed. Anisabel Tollet is an independent journalist and she was the international reporter for News Channel France 24 and was the permanent correspondent in Islamabad, Pakistan between 2008 and 2011. Asia Bibi dictated her story to her through her husband. And the book is called Blasphemy, a memoir sentenced to death over a cup of water and is published by Chicago Review Press. Here now are the Dominican Sisters of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist, with Holy Mary, Mother of God, from their new album, Mother Eucharisti. That was the dominican sisters of mary mother of the eucharist with holy mary mother of god from their new album mater Eucharistie. now last year we heard from de montfort music about the benedictine sisters who produced two albums advent at ephesus and angels and saints at ephesus both were extremely successful and now de montfort music has done it again they have partnered with the dominican sisters of mary mother of the eucharist and produced mater Eucharistiae, a beautiful collection of sacred music dedicated to Jesus through Mary. Now you may remember the Dominican Sisters as we had two of them on this program last year to talk about the American Bible Challenge. But to tell us now about their new album, we are now joined by Sister Mary David. Sister welcome to the program. Thank you. So I have to ask you though how did you do it in the Bible challenge because you were finalists.
5: Yes we were finalists. We did very well. We came in second place.
0: Oh beautiful. Yes. So was there a prize? Did you get any of the money or no? Yes yes oh, there good. was
5: there was a, a consolation but a very generous consolation prize. <laughs> well that's good
0: because you were hoping to, to have some money for to help your sisters with their retirement right?
5: Um, that's right. That's right. Correct.
0: So that's good. So so tell us about the new album. This is your first album, right?
5: This is our first. Yes. So it why? came Out um, in August.
0: And why? Um, why? Why are we recording an album?
5: Well, it's basically we were just saying yes to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> um, when Demontfort Music approached us about the possibility of, of doing an album, mm-hmm. you know, they explained to us that they had. I mean, they knew they knew our community and had had um, even been at some of our vespers in the evening hearing us, you know, pray and sing, and, and they themselves said that they felt very evangelized by, by their encounter with beautiful music, and uh-huh. would we consider doing this? And it wasn't something we were particularly looking for, but it seems that this might be a way to to bring people, or bring God to people who, you know, we can't see or talk to every day, but, but the power of music, it's so it's so powerful it's the beauty that that one encounters in, in music can really touch right. hearts yeah. and raise them to god before we even know what's happening almost no so. but
0: but music is a big part of your community life
5: it is it is
0: um n- not just your prayers is, uh, is uh, do you do more of music that's n- other than your um prayers of the office
5: that you chant? well you know our prayer life is um central and it takes, even even if you add it up, the time that we spend in our prayers it's quite a bit. So and music is it's woven into that
4: um, right. everywhere.
5: So I would say that our music is, you know, what we sing is primarily what happens in the lit- um both at Mass and and in the office. But also a lot of the sisters are just very naturally musical, and so it's very, very... Common thing to find sisters gathered around a piano singing or pulling out the guitars, um, just for fun, you know. So it's it's definitely everywhere you go.
0: Right now, how did you pick the music?
5: The particular pieces that we picked, um, if you go through them one by one, they're Mm -hmm. all um, either Marian or dedicated to Jesus in the Eucharist. Okay. And they were songs that we sing pretty pretty regularly. um, This is part of our prayer life, and we thought that they this was one way we could share our life and our prayer um, with you know our Dominican spirituality with other people. So I guess you could say that just kind of fit us and, and um, the way that we pray and we wanted to share that.
0: Right. With and and it was recorded in your motherhouse?
5: Yes, right in our chapel. In your chapel. Right in our chapel. And you can kind of hear that in the uh, um, the acoustics and it kind yeah. of sounds like echoey or far away. Right. And it's um it's a beautiful place to sing.
0: Yeah, it must be. Now um Mother of the Eucharist that's obviously well the name of your congregation Yes I don't know if a lot of people think of Mary a, a, as Mother of the Eucharist but and that I mean clearly is also the title of the album Yes Mater Eucharistiae so can you explain that to us a little bit
5: Sure um, it's it's also it's also the title of our little newsletter that we put out a couple oh, of yeah. times a year so it's 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 who who we the name under which we really turn to our lady um we if you think about the Blessed Mother, you know, being the first, the first one to hold Jesus within her, you know, his body and blood, soul and divinity. Mm-hmm. You know, we, you may term, you know, Ark of the Covenant or um, Mary as the first tabernacle. Um, but she's yeah. the one that gives us our Lord um, in, his, in his body and blood. And, and she continues to lead us to him in the Eucharist today. So it's, um, I mean, it's the way that we, that we honor her and the way that we thank her. And she's so powerful and generous and gentle Mother in, in bringing us to Him right there.
7: Mm-hmm.
0: So it's interesting because a lot of people, I think even Catholics, that, that, that don't quite get the devotion to Mary or honoring Mary. And it's important to remind ourselves that Mary's the one who points, us always, to Jesus. That mm-hmm. it's not about Mary. So I love this idea that she's the mother of the Eucharist. That she's probably the only human being who could actually say, this is my body.
5: Yes
0: um and yet and she I mean she holds such a special place um, mm-hmm. in heaven because of that so that's 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 very meaningful
5: yes you know something I once um, was brought to my attention and I, I probably wouldn't have thought of it on my own but when you hear of the different places where a lady has appeared say Fatima Guadalupe you know if you go there now the the center of the center of um, or Lourdes, yeah. everything is centered around the Eucharist you know, the yes. highlight of the day at Lourdes is the Eucharistic procession at the end of the day. Right. You know, or the Eucharistic chapel um, in Guadalupe. And so she always she always brings us to our
7: son.
0: Absolutely. Now, Sister, uh, um, I don't know why you were chosen to speak to me, because maybe you're the, the spokesperson. What was your personal involvement? Were you involved in the album? Did you yes. sing?
5: I didn't sing. I was I was <laughs> the person behind the scenes.
0: Okay. <laughs> that okay. Helped, helped
5: make all the all the connections for all the between the conductor and the producers and the singers, and kind of connecting all the dots.
0: So like a production manager type person. Very important role there, because without you, nothing would have happened. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So you mentioned a conductor. Did you have to bring, was it a a conductor that came from outside?
5: Yes, you know, we were really blessed. So we're right here in Ann Arbor, and University of Michigan is right here. Yeah. Um, And one of um, the professors there, we had connected with him. His name is Dr. Scott Piper. Uh-huh. He's actually a very talented um, singing tenor in his, in his own right, but, but he had returned to, to his alma mater here in Ann Arbor and was teaching over at, at the university. Um, and, you know, good Catholic, and we asked him if he'd come teach the sisters just um, choir this past this past okay. year. So he was already
7: Involved. helping us learn to yeah. sing, and
5: when the project came along, we asked him if he'd if he'd help us, and he very generously agreed and worked very hard in, in a short period of time and, and got the sisters ready to record.
0: Right, and and was the album? Did, did you have to bring in a producer? I mean, I know that, you know, contemporary rec- recordings have producers. Yes, so yes.
5: Um, we brought in um, Blanton Alspa, and um, John, his his partner John. They uh-huh. um, are Grammy award winners, and so they knew what they were doing. <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> could yeah.
5: help. Could really help us. Um, do our do our best, and mm-hmm. so they came in for the couple days that we recorded, and um, were wonderful to work
0: with. Nice, good. So it's not just you know a mom and pop kind of thing. No, <laughs> it <real>. wasn't <laughs> the real thing. And I mean, I mean, we know the work of the Montfort Music. Um, they do they do high, very good quality work. Now I can't let you go without asking you about your Facebook page because it, when I talk to people about social networking, I actually talk about the <laughs> about you guys because. Oh, okay. I mean in terms of just promoting vocations Mm -hmm. I mean you have so many it it looks like so many new postulants and new novices and you're always posting their photos and highlighting them and I think it's just a great very clever way to promote vocations
7: thank
0: you so yeah I mean who says that there aren't any vocations so I mean
5: I know God's, God's very generous
0: so how if there are young women listening right now how can they find out more can you can you put in well, a little plug for that. sure
5: well i would say they could definitely check out our facebook page um also they could go to our website just sisters of mary.org right and that's probably where they would get um the real like a really deeper understanding of the community they get they kind of a snapshot you know in the nature of facebook but
7: um, mm-hmm. there's much
5: more to read and on the on the website and also there they could they could um if they're interested in coming and visiting us, we have retreats three times a year. Next one is next month, but it's already um, <laughs> overbooked. It's, it's stopped at one, 180, but but oh, they could come wow. at another time. Um, wow. They could, they could do that, but probably, I mean, really through the Internet is one of the best ways to connect and then mm-hmm. to come pay us to visit in person at the retreat.
0: In Ann Arbor, mm-hmm. in Michigan. That's great. I mean, that's, that's great. So you're sold out. I guess.
5: <laughs> I know. Th- there's a waiting
0: list. If anybody's out there, there's a. <laughs> no. You can always
5: get on the waiting list. So <laughs> you can
0: always. That's that's great. Or start
5: looking towards the next one. Get on that list.
0: That's great. Well, yeah. sisters, thank you very much for, for speaking to us today and, and for the great work you're doing, not just in vocations, <laughs> but um, with your music. And, and I know that you guys are involved in a lot of uh, teaching ministry and and, uh, and other work around the the country in the United States. So thank you for that.
5: Well, thank you very much.
0: The Dominican Sisters of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist, were founded 16 years ago and currently have 110 sisters living in the community. And when they are not chanting, praying, or composing music of their own, they run teaching missions which they have in schools all over the United States. They follow the uh, 13th century footsteps of St. Dominic while very much engaging in the modern world. And their mother house is in Ann Arbor, Michigan and right now they're in the process of raising funds to construct a new priory in texas and you can learn more about them or you can also purchase the album mater eucharistie at their website sistersofmary.org or as you heard you can also look for them on facebook so here they are now with Te Deum from that new album <laughs> We're listening to the Dominican Sisters of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist with Tideum from their new album, Mother Eucharistie. And that will take us to the end of the program. Remember to visit our website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. That's where you can download our podcast, this program, and also where you can now listen to uninterrupted music all day long thanks to the support of wonderful Catholic artists like the Dominican Sisters and de Montfort Music. And remember to stay connected with us for a chance to win weekly prizes. Just go to our website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio and enter your name and email address. Next week, we're going to be giving away a copy of Mother Eucharistie. And remember to follow what we do at Facebook.com/slradio1. That's radio and the number one, and because that's also where we share what our supporting artists are doing. So it's just one-stop shopping. And while you're there, don't forget to like our page. You can also find me on Facebook. Look for Deacon Pedro, and you can follow me on Twitter at GM. Salt and Light Radio and the Salt and Light Hour are ministries of Salt and Light Catholic Media Foundation. You can learn all about Salt and Light and all that we do at saltandlighttv.org. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for supporting what we do. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the Salt and Light Hour.